This is the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and we are here to study with you today in sections 60 through 62 of the Doctrine and Covenants. I like your intros better than my intros. Well, I was just going to say, did you notice my, like, I was... Some different inflection. Yeah, I was going to say intonation. Is that even a word? Anyway. We have recorded over 175 episodes, so that's 175 different times that we've tried to do the intro. To do, well, the different. intro was different in the very beginning. That's true. We did switch it up, but but we purposely haven't pre-recorded uh, an, intro. an intro because we wanted to just have it be reminding ourselves mm-hmm. every time we said it about why we say it. And I guess I figure that if each time I emphasize something different, emphasize one word and emphasize a different word. And what you guys don't see is that this happens a lot when we talk and I just barely, you heard Zach kind of finish my sentence and he knew what I was going to say because I was doing a hand gesture <laughs> when you said end my sentence. Anyway, so We are glad you're here to listen today, and we hope that you are finding this Doctrine and Covenants study um, a good one. It's been an interesting year, I think, with the Mm -hmm. study, and for me, um, probably one of the most... I've studied actually quite a bit of church history over the years, and but this is such a different... I'm not going to claim I'm any sort of an expert, but I have enjoyed a study of church history, let's just put it that way. And, um, but this year's felt really different and it's been interesting. Kind um, of. Well, I think it's kind of like our, our study of the Book of Mormon last year was similar to this and, but things feel really real this year as we're studying different historical situations. It's pretty easy to find similarities to what we're going through today. Well, maybe that's what it is. It's just history is, feels different to me than it has in, in previous years. And it's kind of fun to just learn along and feel what it would have felt like to, be floating down the Missouri River. And I can't remember the new word I learned, but what's the tree in the middle of the river? Oh, yeah. I'll look it up while you start the intro. But it's fun to learn some of those things that otherwise you probably wouldn't have thought of. So, Well, I want to start with (laughs) um, something that bothers me. And I'm, I'm cautious about saying this because the first time I heard it, it came from an apostle. Um, so, uh, but don't don't tattle on me. Don't get me in trouble. So a couple of years ago, um, I was, like a lot of people do in their lives, trying to balance a calling, um, a job, family life, and even school. And I was feeling really overwhelmed and having a hard time figuring out where I put my time and my emphasis. And I remember someone sending me a a talk by Elder Bednar, or a video recording of a talk by Elder Bednar, where he uh, stated that there's no such thing as balance, that balance is a myth, Um, that no one's perfectly balanced all the time, which I I was really grateful that he said that because it made me feel like I was in good company. If an apostle is telling me that there's no such thing as balance all the time, Uh, And it removed a lot of stress for me that I was doing something wrong. But then he stated a reality, which is absolutely a reality. So it doesn't bother me that he said this. It bothers me that it's a reality. He brought up the image of those plate spinners. 
Um, and if you've ever seen videos of these, uh, I found a couple of old ones on like old late night talk shows where uh, a, a plate spinner would get these different plates spinning on different poles. And uh, they spend the entire time running between plates trying to make sure this one's spinning and that one doesn't fall. And Elder Bednar basically said, that's what life is like sometimes. You've got lots of different plates spinning and you run and spin this plate um, because it's slowing down, but then you have to rush over to this other one because it's slowing down and you don't want it to fall. And I, um, I feel that that's very true. It has been very true for me. But it's also very frustrating for me to experience that. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. The frantic feeling of, mm -hmm. oh no, that plate's slowing down. I mean, it stresses me out even thinking of trying to learn how to be a plate spinner. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually, I saw this recently. This was the plate spinning from Elder Bednar. When I first heard it, I actually really liked it. I don't feel quite as strongly about it as Zach does. But <laughs> um, the principle he taught, and then he actually shared it recently on Social media. On social media. Yeah. So if I can start with that maybe shared uh, experience that we all have, I think that um, sets up a really great um, context, emotional context, for studying sections 60 through 62. So um, the background of these sections is... Um, we have kind of this back and forth between Ohio and Kirtland. So we have elders from the church coming from Ohio to Kirtland. And as they get there, uh, there's they're immediately called, or some of them want to, return to Ohio. And Joseph Smith actually goes with them. And so sections uh, 60 through 62 is kind of that journey, the beginning and the middle and the end of that journey as they're traveling from uh, Missouri back to Ohio. And if you read uh, the Revelation in context, it tells you the story, or read saints, it tells you the story of them on the river, and then they have to leave the river and travel by land, and there's a lot of here and there, and uh, a lot to balance. There's a lot going on, just in the church generally. We now have kind of two centers of the church, and we will for the next six or seven years, and we've got people balancing back and forth, especially the prophet. He's going back and forth between Ohio and Zion. And when he's in Ohio, he's hearing about things going wrong in Zion or in Missouri. And when he goes to Missouri, then things are turning bad in Ohio. And he's constantly going back and forth. And so in these sections, uh, in the midst of the Lord giving some specific revelations to people, I think there are some underlying principles that can help us when we feel torn between different responsibilities, duties, and struggling for balance in our life. So the question we want to invite you to ask and ponder as you study is very simple. What matters to the Lord in my life right now? And the reason that question comes to mind is because in these sections, the Lord will specifically identify some things that don't matter to him. You'll find that phrase repeated in 60, 61, 62, and 63, where the Lord specifically says, something mattereth not to him. And so we want to look at the things that he says don't matter to him, and by implication then, the things that do matter to him, so that we can understand what should matter to us. And I think if we can identify what matters and maybe what shouldn't matter, 
it might help us to balance our lives a little bit more, maybe to get rid of things that don't matter as much and to focus on things that do. Well, and if we're noticing a pattern in so many of these sections that we've studied already, it's that desire for the early saints to know what God wants them to do. What's my role? We've talked a lot about that. And this section, section 60, in the chapter heading, it says that again. Um, The elders who had traveled to Jackson County and participated in the dedication of the land and the temple site desired to know what they were to do. Here is saints again with many plates spinning all around them, families and travel and missionary work and this new endeavor of building a church and building Zion. They want to know what's next and want to know what to do, which again is so similar to all of us as we have all of these spinning plates around us. So ask yourself the question, what matters to the Lord in my life right now? What we want to do is point out some of the things that we found. One small caveat is, as we were studying, we noticed that although the Lord identifies things that don't matter to him, sometimes, even within the same section or the following section, it seems like he says that something that doesn't matter to him in the next section does matter to him. And so what we've realized is there are some things that always matter to him. There are some things that sometimes matter to him, but sometimes don't, depending on the individual situation. And then there are some things that never matter to him. And so we wanted to just share a couple of ideas for what always matters to him, what sometimes matters to him, and then what never matters to him. Well, what I'm going to share that is always something that matters to God, especially in these chapters, and I'd even say especially as we study the Doctrine and Covenants, is that we share the gospel, that we share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that starts in verse 2 of section 60, But with some I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths, but they hide the talent which I have given unto them because of the fear of man. Woe Woe unto such, for mine anger is kindled against them. He does care that we share what is dear to us, and he does care that we're using the gifts and the things and the testimony that he has given us. Um, He shares later at the end of section 60, verse 13, Thou shalt not idle away thy time, neither shalt thou bury thy talent, that it may not be known. Um, He cares that we're doing something, that we're working, that we are doing something with what he's given us. And again, just to kind of end, I like end this point, I should say, is that he cares that we are sharing this. And I like the way he puts this in section 62, verse 5. He says, And then you may return to bear record, yea, even altogether, or two by two, as seemeth you good. It mattereth not unto me. Only be faithful, and declare glad tidings unto the inhabitants of the earth. So remember that it's always a good idea to share what is special to us about our testimony about the Savior Jesus Christ and to be faithful and declare those good tidings to those around us. I like that. And uh, just to add one thought onto it at the end of section 60, I love that not only is it important to him that we proclaim the word, as it says in verse 14, uh, but that we do it not in haste, neither in wrath, nor with strife. Um, he cares, it matters to him that we share the gospel, that we share this good news. And it also matters to him that the way we share it 
is conducive to the spirit? Is it resonating with the way that he would talk and the way that he would treat people? And I like that. It's not just what we do, it's how we do it that matters to him. One always that I found, uh, maybe in connection to yours, um, is, this is verse 7, In this place, let them lift up their voice and declare my word with loud voices, without wrath or doubting, lifting up holy hands upon them, for I am able to make you holy, and your sins are forgiven you. In section 61, verse 2, Behold, verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, O ye elders of my church, who are assembled upon this spot, whose sins are now forgiven you, for I, the Lord, forgive sins, and am merciful unto those who confess their sins with humble hearts. It always matters to him that we know that he can forgive sins, that he's the one that makes us holy. And I think that's a good balancing point to the one that you shared. It matters to him that we open our mouths. But it also matters to him that we understand that he's the one that forgives sins and he's the one that makes holy. So it's not our responsibility to convert someone else. It's not our responsibility to forgive someone else. It's not our responsibility to give someone else uh, what we have. It's it's our responsibility to open our mouths. And it's the Lord's own uh, duty, responsibility, pleasure even to make people holy, to forgive them and to help them be better. Well, and I kind of thought of that a little differently as I read that verse, I thought it's important to him that we experience the change that Jesus Christ can bring about, that we ourselves are forgiven so that we have the desire to go out and share the word and share his message of, of that beautiful, glad tidings that he can bring. And so it's important. Maybe that's a great way to merge those together is saying that he always cares about about our individual experience and conversion and knowledge of Jesus Christ. One of the things that I found that sometimes matters to God as I studied these sections was the place. That sometimes the place matters and he's very specific and sometimes it doesn't matter. He says, go and preach and go find people, go out west, go this way, go to this big country in England later on and preach the gospel, but he's not specific. So anyway, and this is what, what led me to that in these sections in particular. Section 60 verse 7, and in this place, let them lift up their voice and declare my word with loud voices. So he's talking about this place, a very specific place this time. He's giving them certain direction on where he wants them to be. And even as I was reading and studying a little bit in Revelations in context, he was talking about even a specific place along the Missouri River that he wanted them to preach, where I think that's how it is for us. As we discuss this part of it, I I thought of an experience I had when I was a senior in high school deciding what college I was going to go to. And that's a stressful decision. Well, maybe not for some. Some people probably just know exactly what they want to do. And But for me, it was very, I just remember being so overwhelmed with the decision, feeling like what college I went to was going to determine everything for the rest of my life. And it was a really heavy decision for me. I remember drawing in my journal over and over these like different schools of some way, if I, if I write it enough, it'll help me and stressing anyway. Um, and the answer that really came to me 
was that it didn't matter where I went to school. And for me, the college that I went to didn't matter. And Zach, as we talked about this, he's like, that's so interesting because I had the exact opposite experience. Yeah, mine was mine was the opposite where I had a clear location in mind and uh, was going to go to one particular school. And when I went toward another school, had a very strong feeling that this is the place I needed to be. So for me, location mattered. And so I think that was an interesting conclusion that we came to as we compared those stories is exactly that is sometimes the location is very specific and the Lord wants us to be in a certain place. And sometimes I think that we can have a good experience or meet his divine requirements for us in any place that we are. And I think that's, that feels really true to me. I like that. Yeah. As we studied this, we um, were trying to wrestle with the difference between place and journey, because it sometimes seems the Lord cares about the place, but not so much about the the journey or how we get there. And sometimes it seems like he very much cares or it matters to him how we get there and not so much about the place. So this is verse five in section 60, just a couple of verses in front of the one that you read. The Lord says, Verily I speak, I will speak unto you concerning your journey unto the land from whence you came. Let there be a craft made, or bought, as seemeth you good, it mattereth not unto me. And take your journey speedily for the place which is called St. Louis. So uh, that intrigued me that um, the Lord cared about their journey and gave some instructions, but there were some things about the journey that didn't matter to him, whether they bought or whether they built uh, a boat. And There was something similar said in section 61, this is verse 22. It mattereth not unto me, after a little, if it so be, they fill their mission, whether they go by water or by land. Let this be as it is made known unto them according to their judgment hereafter. I was reminded as we studied this of um, the experience of the Jaredites um, in Ether chapter 2 and 3, where they had some specific questions about how to get from where they were to the promised land. And to some of their questions, the Lord gave very specific instructions, but to some of their questions, he didn't. So they had three questions. How do we get light in our barges? How are we going to steer our barges? And how are we going to get air in our barges? Um, To the steering question, the Lord just took care of it for them. Don't even worry about it. I will steer you towards the promised land. To the question about air, he gave them specific instructions that he expected them to follow pretty narrowly. You know, make a hole in the top, make a hole in the bottom, make something to stop the hole so that if you're covered in one, you can unstop the other hole. And then to the question about the light, uh, he turned the question back on the brother of Jared. What will you that I should do for you? What What's your plan? And required that the brother of Jared pondered, searched, thought, reflected on his own past experiences and his family history experiences, and then came up with a plan. And this seems to be something similar where the Lord has some instructions uh, and others that uh, he turns over to us. But one thing that I noticed he does care about that matters to him is speed. In that verse, in section 60, verse 5 that I read, he tells them to take their journey speedily. And in section 61, verse 21, right before verse 22, he says again that they should take their journey in haste. But then in those same sections, just a couple of verses uh, apart from the ones I read, he says something like this. So this is section 60, verse 8. 
Let the residue take their journey from St. Louis two by two and preach the word not in haste among the congregations of the wicked. And then in 61 verse 3, Verily I say unto you that it is not needful for this whole company of mine elders to be moving swiftly upon the waters while the inhabitants on either side are perishing in unbelief. One answer to that, at least that came to me, is there is sometimes when the Lord needs us to be in a specific place, maybe at a specific time, and when that's the goal, he invites us, he commands us to move quickly. But there is some time when the journey is his goal, especially when it deals with other people. In both of those places where he told them not to move in haste, it was because there were other people he wanted them to interact with and to serve along the way. And so as I'm thinking about my own life, there are times when I need to get to the journey and movement is quick. But there are maybe as many, if not sometimes more times, when my rush to get to a destination might leave me blind to the people around me that I need to serve along the way. And I think f- maybe for you and for all other plate spinners out there, that maybe brings some comfort that not all the plates have to be spinning the same speed. Yeah, right? some spin fast and some Well, slow. I guess they kind of do to stay up, so maybe that doesn't work. <laughs> Stretch but, the analogy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just end my thoughts with one never thought something the Lord that never matters to him. This is, I'm going to borrow a little bit from section 63, but that phrase, it mattereth not, shows up in section 63 as well. This is verse 40. Let all the monies which can be spared, it mattereth not unto me, whether it be a little or much, be sent up into the land of Zion unto them whom I have appointed to receive. And this is something I love about the Lord. Um, You can cross-reference this with the widow's might, uh, with the parable of the talents, the parable of the laborers. The Lord does not care about quantity. How much does not matter to him? I think amount of consecration matters to him. Percentage matters to him. If we're giving our all, that matters to him. But he doesn't measure our sacrifice, measure our offering, certainly not against offerings of other people. To him, uh, it's the conversion that takes place in the heart of the giver, not the thing that is given that matters. Well, I love that thought. What came to my mind as I thought about what never matters to the Lord actually comes from section 60 and a thought similar to what I already shared in the beginning of this episode. And that is that the Lord never, that it never matters to the Lord that we keep asking. And it says in sections in the section heading of section 60, they desired to know what they were to do. We see this theme, and I mentioned that over and over. These people are building a new church. They're changing their lives. They're moving their families. They're going on new missions all over, trying to build something that they've never done before. And they continually ask and ask and want God to help them. And that is the same for us. He never tires of us asking that question. In fact, I thought... As we've talked about this, I think there's a subtle point to make, and that is, even though the Lord states that there are things that don't matter to him, I don't think that's quite the same as him saying that he doesn't care about things. I've often felt 
that what matters to me, what I care about, he cares about. Even if it's not eternally significant, he cares about what I care about. And so I love this point because if I care about something and I'm coming to him for direction, even if it may not matter in the grand scheme of things, I love that he spends time to interact with me, to give me thoughts and feelings and impressions, uh, to guide me and direct me, even if sometimes it's just to tell me, hey, what you're stressing about so much doesn't really matter. So although this week our question is, what matters to him in my life right now that you can ask yourself as you study? I think that's something that we're always asking, right? That as you study your scriptures, as you pray, as you ponder, um, that we're always asking him, what do you want me to do? He, he does always care about that. Thank you so much for studying with us this week. We hope you have a great week. Thank you.